Hi, this is Breathically Witless with Colin McCurley. So, this podcast is primarily about um, showing tenants uh, that it's not difficult um, or not excessively difficult to understand their rights and obligations under the Residential Tenancies Act and to take effective action to secure those rights and meet those obligations. So with each issue that comes up uh, that is covered under the Residential Tenancies Act, I'm just going to point the listener to the relevant provisions and give a little commentary on them. So my initial problem was trying to get repairs to premises. So there's some issues there with whether or not getting a larger uh, hot water tank is a repair. Um, I guess there's an issue as to whether or not getting a new ventilation fan put into a kitchen laundry is a repair. But the relevant provision, um, as far as that is concerned, is under section 52, the landlord's general obligations for residential tenancies, residential premises. So section 52, subsection 1. A landlord must provide the residential premises in a reasonable state of cleanliness and fit for habitation by the tenant. So, after that general uh, introduction, section 1A. Without limiting the circumstances in which residential premises are not fit for habitation, Residential premises are not fit for habitation unless the residential premises A. are structurally sound and B. have adequate natural light or artificial lighting in each room of the premises other than a room that is intended to be used only for the purposes of storage or a garage and C. have adequate ventilation and D. are supplied with electricity or gas and have an adequate number of electricity outlet sockets or gas outlet sockets for the supply of lighting and heating to and the use of appliances in the premises and E. have adequate plumbing and drainage and F. are connected to a water supply service or infrastructure that supplies water including but not limited to a water bore or water tank that is able to supply the premises hot and cold drinking water for drinking and ablution and cleaning activities, and G, contain bathroom facilities including toilet and washing facilities that allow privacy for the user. 1B. For the purposes of subsection 1A, A, residential premises are structurally sound only if the floors, ceilings, walls, supporting structures, including foundations, doors, windows, roof, stairs, balconies, balustrades and railings, A, are in a reasonable state of repair and B, with respect to the floors, ceilings, walls and supporting structures, are not subject to significant dampness and C, 
with respect to the roof, ceilings and windows, do not allow water penetration into the premises, and D, are not liable to collapse because they are rotted or otherwise defective. 1C, the Secretary may exempt any specified premises or any specified class of premises from the operation of all or any part of this section. An exemption may be unconditional or subject to conditions. And let's leave it at that for the moment. So, as you might have picked up, there's a number of elements of uh, this section which are directly relevant. Section 1AC, the requirement that residential premises have adequate ventilation. And Section 1AE, requiring that residential premises have adequate plumbing and drainage. And 1AF, are connected to a hot water supply service or infrastructure that supplies water, including but not limited to a water bore or, or water tank, that is able to supply the premises hot and cold water for drinking and ablution and cleaning activities. So obviously my position is that the kitchen laundry did not have adequate ventilation and that the premises did not have an adequate supply of hot water. Uh, then there's section 1BB with respect to the floors, ceilings, walls and supporting structures. Uh, those parts of the residential premises are not subject to significant dampness. So if you have condensation forming all over the ceiling and walls of your kitchen, um, I would suggest that that is an example of what would be a residential premises being subject to unacceptable dampness. So, I appreciate that it might be a little bit dry uh, for some people to listen to legislation being read out in a podcast. Um, I don't know. Maybe think of this as a... Uh, audible book or an audible piece of legislation um, the next so that is the obligation of the landlord with regard to the residential premises what you have to be concerned about from that point is what action you can take uh, if the landlord fails to fulfill that general obligation um, I might leave going into the rights of uh, repair with regard to these obligations um, just to make a separate point. Now, I don't have the documents in front of me, so I won't bore you with uh, a lot more reading. But the point with regard to the ventilation is that in the lease that I signed, there was a special condition, something that's been added to the standard form lease by the landlord, requiring me to take adequate action to ensure that the premises were uh, properly ventilated and not subject to, I think it's either um, damp or mould or both. The point that I eventually made uh, to the NCAT was that 
you can't have a special condition in a lease that negates, that works against a statutory obligation of the landlord. So the landlord is the one responsible for providing adequate ventilation. It's not the tenant. The landlord is the one required to ensure that the ceilings and walls of the premises are not subject to um, unacceptable dampness. It's not the obligation of the tenant. The related issue that uh, will come up again and again is that my view is and was that the only way I can be aware of whether or not these issues should have been attended to by the landlord before the landlord leased the premises to me is to be able to speak to the prior residents of the residence to see whether or not they had the same issues. I suppose it's possible that they didn't. Maybe no one who's lived here has ever used the dryer before. Um, maybe no one who's lived here before has ever wanted to have a bath. I don't know. Uh, but as you'll hear when we get to this point uh, in the story, when I made the attempt to uh, issue a summons to get the contact details of the previous tenants, um, as happened throughout this process, it was NCAT that stopped me. The, uh, the landlord's agents have basically sat and watched this whole process as a contest between me and the various members of NCAT. And that, again, is what this podcast is about.